Our Bible teaching today, we continue in Mark's gospel. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. <laughs> Siri's talking to me? She didn't get that. She was like, All right, Siri. Oh my goodness, so, <laughs> so the first line of the sermon is that there are so many things competing for our attention these days, and Siri is obviously one of them. There are things that we need to pay attention to around the house, there are repairs to be made, dishes to be washed, clothes to be put away, there are family concerns, kids to be raised, parents to be washed over, what can I do about her? What does he need from me? There are concerns about work and finances and health, politics, getting caught up on the latest gaffe made by whichever politician you hate the most. There's keeping up on popular culture, sports, the Super Bowl next Sunday. Businesses are paying $7 million for a 30-second ad. Why? because they will have the attention of more people than they could get the entire rest of the year. Even people that have no interest in, the, in football watch for the best commercials. More important to me personally is the Sunday after that. You know what that is, right? The Daytona 500. <laughs> yes, that is what matters. Don't, don't schedule anything for the afternoon of February 18th if you expect me to show up. There are all of the distractions of social media. I finally removed the Facebook app from my phone because I couldn't stop myself from opening it every single time that I picked up my phone. So if you send me a friend request and I don't respond for a week, I'm not ignoring it, I just don't see it the way I used to. So many things vying for our attention. Even the church can, can play into it. You need to teach Sunday school and be on a committee and attend a small group and volunteer so much of your time. And if you don't come to the chili cook-off, Pastor Andy's going to cry. <laughs> you don't want me to cry, do you? With so many concerns competing for our time and attention, how do we prioritize? Where do we put our focus? I've heard it said, and I believe it's true, if you don't set your priorities someone else will set them for you. There is always going to be someone else eager to tell you what you should be doing. And for you husbands and wives out there, I'm not just talking about spouses. For you children, I'm not just talking about your parents. It's, it's, it's everybody, it's the, it's the world, it's society. Everybody has expectations that they are eager to put on you. It was no different with Jesus. People had all kinds of expectations that they wanted to place upon Jesus. Expectations that came from generations of religious teachings. Expectations that came from their own needs and desires. 
Jesus, though, was clear about his priorities. Jesus understood what he was supposed to be about and why and where he needed to be. Jesus knew his mission, and he didn't let other people's expectations get in the way of that mission. That's what our gospel reading for today shows us. It shows us how Jesus stayed focused on what his life and his ministry was all about. And it shows us, too, how we can get a fresh start in living out our purpose in life. It all begins in prayer. Jesus was praying by himself in a secluded place very early in the morning. This is probably the next morning following the passage we read last week. Jesus had preached in the synagogue. He drove out a demon. Later that day, he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a high fever. At the end of that passage, Mark says that that evening, people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. He healed lots of people of various diseases. He drove out many demons. It had been a very long day for Jesus. He had been quite busy. He had been working all day long. So the next morning, he let himself sleep in a little bit, right? No. No, if you were listening to the scripture, that's not what he did. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. There is much to be said of that discipline of rising early before dawn, to have that quiet time alone with the Lord before the day begins. That was the practice of John Wesley and his friends in the Holy Club at Oxford, which became the foundation for the Methodists. They would get up at 4.30 every morning to read the Bible and pray before the day began. I've known plenty of people in every church I've been at who have adopted a, a similar practice. Not necessarily 4.30 a.m., but getting up early before the day starts, spending that first hour or whatever amount of time in devotions and prayer. I think that's a wonderful thing. I'm not going to tell you to do it, though. It would be hypocritical if I did because I don't do it myself. I wish I did. I'm envious of people who can. There have been several times in my life when I have tried to adopt that practice of getting up early for Bible and prayer and devotions, but it's never taken. The problem is that I just fall right back to sleep. The fact is that, that God makes everybody differently. Some people can wake up at 4.30 a.m. and some people just can't. I am in the latter group. Some people can lay down and fall asleep as soon as their head hits the pillow. Others lay there for hours with their minds swimming before they finally doze off. Again, I'm typically of the mind racing until the wee hours of the morning category. That's not to say I don't pray at the start of my day. I do. I, I pray for strength so that I can crawl out of bed. I offer a prayer of thanksgiving when I take that first sip of coffee. I, re I rejoice in, in the grace of God's blessings as, as the hot water of my morning shower washes over me. I ask for direction as I set upon my day. So I do pray in the morning, but when it comes to that set-aside time of focused devotion, that's not going to happen with me until I've had quite a bit of time to wake up. And that's okay. The New Testament does not tell us that we need to pray at a certain time 
or, or for a specific amount of time. But we do need to set aside time each day for focused prayer. That is what the Bible story about Jesus tells us. Don't get hung up on the very early in the morning while it was still dark part, if that doesn't work for you. But pay attention to the Jesus went off to a solitary place where he prayed part. Because we all need that. We all need that set aside time with God. Setting aside everything else to spend time communing with God. To focus on God. And not just giving him our laundry list of things that we want him to do for us, but to spend time listening, seeking, resting in his presence. That's what Jesus was doing in that time of early morning prayer. I mean, Mark doesn't tell us specifically what or how Jesus was praying that morning, but I'm convinced that a good deal of time was spent in silence, listening to the Father listening as the Father reassured him of his purpose and mission, allowing the Father to direct his every step. We all need that set-aside time for God to speak to us, to reassure us of our value in God's eyes and of our purpose, his purpose for us in this world to direct us on the steps that we should take, the choices we should make, to set our priorities according to his priorities for us, to know what those priorities are because we have taken the time to ask and to listen for God's answer. Because when we don't do that, there are so many other priorities that are going to press in upon us and crowd God out. So many other expectations that are going to set our path for us if we fail to be intentional about it. And many of those others, perhaps most of them, have nothing to do with God. How is it that you are listening to God? What kind of time do you give for allowing God to set your priorities? Having devotions first thing in the morning is great if, if you can wake up enough to do that. But if you can't, you still have to make that time. I had a seminary professor who gave some very wise counsel in that regard. She said, give God the best part of your day. Give God the best part of your day. That, that's what God wants is our best. That's what devotion is about, offering God your best. What is your best time? When are you the sharpest? When are you best equipped to focus your attention? Figure out when that time is for you and then give some of that to God. When you do that, then you will be much clearer about God's plan for you. And that is what that early morning prayer time did for Jesus. It allowed him to be crystal clear about what came next. Because there were a lot of people who wanted a lot of things from him other than what God had in mind that day. Simon Peter and a couple of the others went and found Jesus while he was off alone praying, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. 
A side note about that. If you think about where Jesus had been before going off to that solitary place, well, he was at Peter's house. After synagogue the day before, they had all gone to Simon Peter's house where Jesus had healed his mother-in-law, and then they spent the rest of the day there. And that evening, people brought all the sick and demon-possessed to him. He didn't go out looking for them. They brought them there to him at Peter's house. Then it says early in the morning, while it was still dark out, he left the house, meaning he left Peter's house where they had spent the night. So when Peter comes hunting for Jesus and says, everyone's looking for you, the subtext of that is, they're all at my house right now, waking me up. My mother-in-law is not very happy. Okay, that's beside the point. I threw that in for free. (laughs) The point of it is this. Everybody in town had expectations for Jesus that morning. Most of them expected him to perform more miracles. Either they needed healing themselves or they knew someone else who needed to be healed or they wanted to be there to witness more of what Jesus had been doing the day before because it was just so cool to see it. The disciples expected Jesus to respond to the needs of all the people that were coming to look for him. Peter expected Jesus to come take care of these people so they would get off his lawn and his mother-in-law could get some rest. They all wanted something from Jesus. They all had big plans for him for that day. You might expect Jesus to say, okay, let's go see what they want. That's what most of us would do, right? Everybody's looking for me? That's pretty cool. I guess I'll go, I better go give them what they want. That's generally how things work in this world. Other people have expectations of us, and we bend to the weight of those expectations, to be the perfect parent, the responsible child, the ideal spouse, the dependable employee, the model citizen, the trusted companion, the unfailing friend. And don't forget to stay in shape and keep your finances in order and do it all with a smile because nobody wants to be around a downer. The weight of all those expectations bear down upon us sometimes to the breaking point. We want to be that strong hero who does it all. We tell ourselves we ought to do this, we should do that, that if we don't, we're a bad person, we're letting someone else down, we're a disappointment, a failure. Not Jesus. Peter said, everybody's looking for you, and Jesus said, then let's get out of here. Let's move on to the next town. Everybody has plans for my day? Too bad, my agenda's already been set. Jesus easily could have stayed in Capernaum and done quite a bit of ministry right there. In fact, he he could have made his headquarters there for his whole world mission, centered there in Capernaum, kind of like a successful entertainer who has a residency in Vegas. Why go to the trouble and expense of traveling the whole world when you can stay in one town and the whole world will come see you? After all, everyone was looking for him. He was a carpenter. He could have built an addition onto the side of Peter's house. (laughs) Healed all kinds of 
people in Capernaum. And, and then people from the next town over would come to be healed. And then word would spread even farther. And people would have come from towns 10 miles away, 20 miles away, 50 miles away. It, it's not like he would run out of people to heal and preach to. They would have kept coming for the show for as long as he wanted that residency to last. But Jesus wouldn't do that. He wouldn't stay there even one day longer. Why? Simply because that's not what God had planned for him that day. Let us go elsewhere to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Those last words, that is why I have come. That is the key. Jesus, because of that time he spent communing with the Father, away from the crowds, away from the hustle and bustle of the everyday, away from other people's expectations for him, Jesus knew from God what his purpose was, what he was to be about, and where he needed to be. The most important thing for Jesus and his ministry was not the miracles. They were important, but they were not the most important. The most important thing for Jesus and his ministry was not healing physical illness. It was not casting out demons. The most important thing for Jesus and his ministry was calling people to repentance and proclaiming the kingdom of God. That is why I have come, Jesus said. Remember the first thing. The very first thing that Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. God, Jesus came to spread the word of God near and far. He came to deliver the kingdom of God to us and to bring us into that kingdom by repentance and faith. He came to proclaim the good news and to bring the presence of God to everyone he could, to the entire world. We can't get to God on our own. So God came to us in Jesus. We can't climb our way into God's kingdom, so Jesus brings the kingdom of God to us. What sense would it make then for Jesus to stay in one place and wait for the world to come to him? Jesus doesn't wait around for the world to come to him. Jesus goes to the world. God doesn't wait around in heaven for us to figure out how to get there and to clean ourselves up. God comes to us in Jesus to show us the way, to wash the slate clean, to welcome us Everything else that Jesus did serves that main purpose. The healings, the miracles, casting out demons, all of it was intended to make the way clear for folks to turn their lives over to God and to enter his kingdom. When we turn our lives over to God and enter his kingdom, we are charged with that same purpose in life, to make Jesus known so that others can find healing, wholeness, and hope in him, to live as signs of the kingdom of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. All the other things that we do in this life, all the other priorities we pursue, 
all must be in line with that primary purpose. You haven't been doing that lately? That's okay. Jesus doesn't expect us to stay trapped where we've been. He sets us free from the past and gives us a fresh start. When Jesus says, let's move on, he's not just talking to his first disciples. He's inviting all of us to move on with him, to start giving him our best now. No matter what we've been accustomed to giving him in the past, this is a new day. To move on with him to the next town, the next conversation, the next encounter with someone who doesn't yet know that they too have been invited into his kingdom by his grace. Each moment is a fresh start to live out the gospel, to join with Christ as he fulfills that purpose of his coming, which is nothing short of redeeming the entire world. Let us join our steps with his as he gives his life for us. Will you pray with me? Oh God, it is so easy for us to stay where we are to continue doing what we're used to doing, continuing to focus on the things we've always focused on before. But Lord, you are calling us to a new day. You are calling us to a fresh start. You are wiping away all of the mistakes of the past and inviting us into that exciting future that you have, where we can truly serve you, where we can truly live in union with you and with all those that you have called into union with yourself. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you for that gift of your grace that washes the slate clean. Thank you for that grace by which you bring us into your kingdom. For we know we could not have made it on our own. But in spite of all of our failures and all of our sins, still you love us. You redeem us. You welcome us. Help us, Lord, to show that same grace to others until all people know that you are Lord of creation, Lord of life, Prince of Peace, Father Almighty. Lord, we place ourselves into your care and pray that you will show us that next step for us to take as we trust our priorities to you and your intentions for us. We pray this as individuals, we pray this as families, and we pray this as your church, that you might bless us, that we might be a blessing to others. We ask this In Jesus' precious and holy name.